Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch. He is Adrian Weiser. And hey. We are live on location today. Live and alive, as we like to say on this show, at Stockton 12 Honda. They've still got that great two for $12 deal going on right now. Two brand new Hondas for just $12 a day. Yeah. I'd be hard-pressed to find a better deal on brand new cars than that, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I spent more on that than my coffee. Or I spent more on my coffee. How expensive are you spending? What kind of coffee you drinking these days, Adrian? It's a joke. Colombian blend, but it's pretty easy. I mean, you just cut out something and you can get a Civic for five bucks a day. Come on, that's easy. Come on down, check it out. We've still got plenty of jazz gear. Have a few fans stop by, but we still got plenty of jazz gear for you if you want to come by and check that out. Got hats, shirts. We even got the. Are we calling it a desk ornament now at this point for these bad boys? Yes. I don't know what we're calling it. It's, but they're pretty cool. It's they like are a jazz awesome. note. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a desk ornament, for, and you can come by and check that out. we got one of those left. So come on by. Love to see you guys. A beautiful Saturday afternoon up and down the Wasatch Front. Love to see you guys come by and say hello. But uh, we're going to talk some college football here for a moment, Adrian. Uh, Brett Ciancia writes the Pick 6 Previews. And I have to say, we brought him on DJ and PK. He had uh, he he picked U- the University of Utah to make the college football playoff this year, and that was ostensibly the reason why we brought him on. Because we you see that and you're like, okay, need to get this guy's reasoning behind picking University of right. Utah. But as this interview progressed, I became more and more of a fan of this guy's work because holy smokes, does he know the sport of college football? Yeah, and I don't think it's like it's not out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't pick them to go no. myself. But based on the path that they have in the Pac-12 and uh, the talent that they have, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And You've got to go undefeated in the Pac-12 in my mind. I don't good. think you do. But You don't think so? No, because the both times that the Pac-12 has been in the college football playoff, they have had one-loss teams get in. Kay. Now, their problem is, is since then, they haven't been able to have a one-loss and, and team. Th- and that's the thing. I'm, I'm looking at I'm wondering if they would have to go undefeated to get one in to kind of reboot almost their their national perception. Possibly, but, but when they, history would tell us that a one-loss Pac-12 team gets into the college football playoff. Now, it has been a while, and it's only happened twice. Correct. But they haven't, they haven't even given themselves a shot at that yet because they've, the best they can come up with is a two-loss team. Since True. Then. So... Uh, and so guess we would have to see. But I think when they get that second loss, the Pac-12 is eliminating themselves in contention going against a conference that has a loss. on. Like if a team is lost in the conference championship game, okay. yeah. the Pac-12 isn't even in the conversation anymore because they look at an Alabama or somebody who has one loss and they say, well, there isn't another conference champion that has one loss, exactly. so we don't need to worry about that. The committee's made it very clear that if you have two losses, you're pretty much X'd out from making the college football play. Unless you're Ohio State, I suppose. Fair. And that one time. But you are yes, correct, I would by say, and most large, of the time. By yes. and large. So, yeah. all right. Well, let, without further ado, let's get to it. Brett Siance, he talked about University of Utah uh, being picked, his pick to make the college football playoff. But he also talked a lot about the Pac-12. And he even had a thought on where BYU ranks in terms of the Power Five based on his metrics. So here you go. Brett Ciancia with DJ and PK yesterday here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles. Fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk college football with Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brett, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, Brett, we really couldn't not have you on. We had to have you on once we saw <laughs> you didn't just think the Utes are going to win the South. You don't just think they're going to win the Pac-12. You, at Pick 6 Previews, are predicting the Utes are going to be the four seed in the college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to a lot of Ute fans the last couple of weeks. Um, it's a pretty knowledgeable bunch. I got to meet a, a few down at the Rose Bowl last year. I was down there for the UCLA game when Utah stomped the, the hometown Bruins there. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll explain the, the madness behind the logic here. Uh, so, basically, it just comes down to there's there's five conferences for four spots, right? Uh, I have Clemson winning the ACC. That's an easy choice. I actually have Ohio State over Michigan in the Big Ten, and I actually have Georgia over Alabama in the SEC. So going against the national consensus there. For that last spot, it came down to the Big 12 champ or the Pac-12 champ for me. And uh, my Big 12 uh, contenders, Texas and Oklahoma, I see them both beating each other up and splitting that series. And then also I think Texas will lose to LSU, and I think Oklahoma will trip up with a a pretty beaten down and, and, uh, you know, they lost their their, uh, offensive line to the NFL. They have uh, personnel issues on offense there. So I think that the Big 12 will produce a two-loss champ. I think that Utah, uh, with its number one defensive line in the country, according to my metrics, a very experienced um, offense coming back for your starter quarterback, for your starter running back, workhorse, Zach Moss. Uh, but more so, just, uh, just an increased trust in this coaching staff. And my metrics in player development and win conversion, Utah's top five in both just a very proven staff despite maybe lower recruiting rankings than you'd see from some of the brand names, but they make up for it with just tremendous program culture and, uh, and those metrics I talked about. So very confident with Utah this year. So then counting the title game, do you have them 13 and 0 or 12 and one? Yeah. So I have them 12 and one, and this is the thing where I'm getting a lot of pushback nationally because people say that the PAC 12 is too weak. Then the teams have to go undefeated. I think that's kind of ridiculous. It's a great friend of football. Uh, I have to admit, I, I am on the East Coast, but I'm one of those guys that's up till 3 in the morning watching all these Pac-12 games. Uh, I really appreciate the, the, the ball out there. So, so basically what it comes down to for me is I try and relate it to last year's Oklahoma team where they went 12-1, and they lost to Texas in the regular season, ended up uh, avenging that loss on championship Saturday. Uh, despite a soft schedule, when you look back at their schedule last year, Oklahoma did not have a, a tough non-conference slate. They had a lot of close wins, a lot of uh, the, the two-point conversion win against Oklahoma State, a field goal win against West Virginia. So it wasn't that dominant, really. Their defense was terrible. Um, so for them to go 12-1, and avenge that loss in the, on the conference title Saturday and be enough to get into the playoff, I think Utah can follow the same path, where I think that they may trip up at Washington and Seattle, but we'll get that chance at a rematch on championship Saturday. And, and should they win there at 12-1, and that should be enough to surge into the, into the playoff. Brett Seahunts here, Pick 6 Previews, joining us. You know, there are a lot of Ute fans who want to believe that this is true, but they look at the passing game and they think when they really have to throw the ball down the field in a clutch drive or when they get in a high-scoring shootout, they're not capable. When ASU gets the upper hand on the Ute's defense last year, the the Ute can't keep scoring points. You point to a four-game streak last year, that we all remember, the 40-point games, and you said they did something really different in the passing game there that kind of elevated him until they had the quarterback injury. Well, they got a new coordinator next year. Do you think the passing game is going to be that good? Are they going to go away from what they did in October? Yeah, that is one of the concerns I put in my book there. Um, so uh, we've been kind of waiting for that Troy Taylor offense to finally click, and it finally did happen there in October. Uh, you saw the use of that diamond formation, some misdirection, some play actions that were all hitting. Uh, and you finally got to see Tyler Huntley really make that step in the passing game. 
And, uh, and it's a shame, though, that the injury struck right then because that October slate, those four games, according to my game grader formula, Utah was playing at a playoff caliber. So, if, I mean, if you were able to continue that into November, I think you'd see a different win-loss record. It was still strong enough to win the South, but I think if you had Huntley and Moss healthy, I think that you win a couple of those games down the stretch. So, so can it continue? I, I tuned into the spring game. So let me preface with saying that part of my preview is I just watched hundreds of hours of uh, game tape spring games calling with uh, local podcasts and radio shows for insights. So I watched the spring game. I was a little worried when I saw the play calls were so complex that they were looking at big uh, play sheets. Uh, it, it looked like it took 30 seconds for Huntley to be you know, calling the play in the huddle. I know that's just some, some coaching scheme transition. I think that'll be ironed out in fall camp. But it is something to worry about because, yeah, I was finally feeling confident with the Taylor offense and, and Huntley's role in there. And now, yeah, that, that is a question mark going forward. Also – a question mark replacing a couple guys along the offensive line. But I think that the, the skill player stable is really strong. You saw the receivers take a step forward last year. That had been a position group that had been holding Utah's offense back for quite a while. Uh, so to see that group all coming back, I think Jalen Dixon's a breakout potential. And uh, an underrated guy that's not getting much attention is uh, Devontae Henry Cole back from uh, two years ago. Hopefully he gets back to his form there in a uh, backup role. So you say you're from the East Coast, and I'm listening to you talk, and in particular words like on, when you say on, I'm guessing it's the Philly area. <laughs> yeah, I, that's great. You nailed that. I am out of the Philly area. <laughs> Jersey Shore and uh, uh, Southeastern PA, yeah. Well, the interview just got wrecked right there. It's all over. You have no idea, Brett, what <laughs> yeah. you've just done. You should have lied. You should have said I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's pretty sad because out here it is just all, all pro football. I'm kind right. of the the odd man out right. who loves college football out here. But it's all Eagles fans. It's all uh, New York Giants, you know. So I try and get away from it on Saturdays and do my whole 15-hour day. I uh, love it. Spent many summers at Ocean City, Brett. No, I'm down in Seattle right now as we speak. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pick six office out here. So, yeah, love it. Love the connection. Never thought I'd be talking Jersey Shore on, uh, on Utah radio. <laughs> I was born in North Jersey. But, nice. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the things, you know, you sent us uh, some information. There's 157 pages, and I have to come clean. I did not read 157 pages, but I did read a lot of it. And you've been doing this, what, seven years? Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, uh, it's our eighth season. Yeah. Uh, we launched in 2012, and uh, since then we've been rated the most accurate Power 5 at BCS. That's what I was going to get According to, to Stassen.com. Right, and I re- obviously I read that. And so, you know, I know it's hard to tout yourself, but what do you think that you've been able to do that has allowed you to have been in this BCS college football playoff era to be the most accurate out of all these uh, unlimited amount of uh, preseason publications and predictions? Yeah, so I think it's a good balance. Um, So a lot of the analytics guys you see online, I have a respect for them and what they do, but I think they live a little bit too much in the numbers. I think you need to be able to balance that with, with what you see actually on the, on the field. Um, so I watch hundreds of hours of game tape, spring game, uh, calling coaches and coordinators, like I said. But I also develop my own set of advanced metrics that kind of just makes sense when, when, you, when you dig into it. I call it game grader. It really digs in further than just the scoreboard because you see a score come across the ticker. You don't really know exactly what happened on that Saturday. So it digs into the key stats of the game, yardage differential, turnover margin, uh, uh, yardage per play differential, and uh, digs deeper and gets an actual raw score of how the team actually did. Uh, you adjust that for opponent strength, and then over the course of a season, you get a better feel for how really a team performed. So that's one of the things I look at. I look at all, all kinds of recruiting trends, 
but where some will stop right at the recruiting number, I actually dig deeper and look at how is the staff developing it? How is the staff scheme? Because you can bring in five-star raw talent like USC does every year and not do anything with it and go seven wins every year. So on the, on the other side of that, Utah grades very well on those metrics because they bring in somewhere in the 35 to 45 range of uh, recruiting talent. But the Whittingham staff, Morgan Scali on defense, they, their schemes, their development, uh, the way they export players to the pros above expectation really molds them into a better, uh, better fit this year. So a lot of metrics go into it, tons of hours, um, and just, I guess, a balance and knowing what little key metrics to look for. Who's the loss for Utah when you pick them to go 11-1 uh, and one to the Pac-12 title game? Well, quite honestly, I mean, I think it's an easy schedule this year. Uh, Utah benefits from missing Stanford and Oregon out of the North crossover. Uh, the non-conference, uh, BYU, I guess, is a power five to some, a group of five to some. Well, however you, you, you chalk them up, it's going to be a battle down there uh, in the Holy War. So I'm a little worried about the BYU game from a Utah's perspective. But besides that, uh, I think it'd be Washington. I mean, going on the road there, the Peterson and Lake staff on defense, um, but when November rolls around, I know right now they're a little bit raw and young, but by the time November comes around, I'm pretty sure they'll have a, a top-five defense ironed out. So I think the Washington game will be tough. People are trying to say that the USC trip will be a, will be a tough one, but, man, that game last year, the score doesn't really indicate. Um, I know it was only like a 13-point win on the scoreboard, but outgaining USC by 350 yards is unbelievable. Uh, so I, I don't see why – that would change overnight. They're going through an offensive scheme change going from tailback U to five wide air raid, uh, and the defense loses five all-conference players. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about USC. I'd say Washington's the one to worry about a little bit. So we've seen in the past that you don't even literally have to win your division, let alone your conference, and so you've got Georgia over Alabama. But how confident are you that the voters wouldn't still put in Alabama if that's the only blemish? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I'm kind of relying on the, on the committee. I have faith in the committee that they would do the right thing. And the right thing to me is that you have to value the conference title card. Um, yeah, so if they both end up 12-1, and one, or I guess, yeah, Alabama would be 12-1 and one if they lost in the SEC title game. If they both finish 12-1, and one, you have to reward the Pac-12 champion. If you're not going to reward the Pac-12 champion uh, with an identical win-loss record, you're basically saying that the Pac-12 is an inferior league and then they might as well just call it the Power Four because it's ridiculous if you're going to keep out a, a one-loss conference champion. The only way that a one-loss conference champion should be left out is if all the others are undefeated uh, or if it's down to two champions head-to-head here and we have to look at resumes. But if you're looking at a runner-up to a champion, I got, you got to go champion. Especially, yeah. I just kind of try and put myself in their shoes, right? So on that last Saturday, I think the SEC game kicks off at 3.30. They'll be wrapping up around 7.00. You're telling me about 12 hours from the end of that game to when they release the playoff bracket in the morning that they're going to say that that team that just lost in the field, they're going to still get in the title game or uh, in the playoff bracket. It doesn't make sense. So I have faith that, they'll, that they take the conference champ there. Maybe it's just me being an optimist, but um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I've had, I would have faith that they would say that Alabama just lost to the number one team in the country. And Utah lost to Washington, who has whatever record, I don't know. And Georgia's better, so Alabama's in. Thanks for playing. Good night, everybody. Yeah, you always worry about that, but I don't know. I, I, I hope it doesn't go that route. It'd be bad for the game. Be, but like I said, it'd be basically devaluing the Pac-12. Um, I know that they've had some multi-loss champions in the past couple of years. I get that. But you're producing a one-loss champ out of a Power 5 league. That's got to that's hold some weight, or else we're just not calling the Pac-12 a Power League anymore, which 
I think is ridiculous. So Brett, see, yeah, I, it'll be a good case study. Let's just knock out Alabama in October, and we don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> Brett Cianci, at pick six previews. I want to ask you about one more team. Uh, Washington State has won four in a row over the Utes, over six years because there's a couple years they didn't play. But over the last six years, they're 4-0 against the Utes. Their coach, Mike Leach, got up at the Pac-12 media days and basically just went right to town on the media for overlooking them. He said they're 11-2. They got a lot of guys back. Guys have been working to get better. They should be better than last year. I know a lot of people downgrade him because the quarterback changed, but he always seems to get a quarterback up to speed and playing well. So he doesn't seem particularly worried about that. Should the youths in particular and the Pac-12 in general worry about Washington State? Yeah, when you mentioned Mike Leach at a podium, I thought you were going to say he was talking about aliens or Bigfoot or something, but no, uh, he's a great interview. Uh, I think with Washington State, you can't, you can never rule them out in a season. I, I made that mistake last year. We were coming in the last year. I saw that they were replacing seven new coaches, their D coordinator, a record-setting quarterback and Luke Falk, their top two receivers, all-American lineman, and I was like, you know, there's no way that they can sustain that kind of transition. And all that happened was he plucked out another quarterback out of the out of nowhere with Minshew and rode that to 11 wins. So, yeah, you can never count out Washington State. I just think uh, their, their talent level on defense is going to start to be a problem when you compare them to the other teams, uh, you know, like a, like a Washington or Utah. Uh, so defensively is an issue. And, yeah, I think that Minshew was an outlier in this system. Usually in the air raid in his system, it's a pocket passer like Luke Falk or all those Texas Tech guys uh, when he was down there. They're pocket passers. They're very accurate and very uh, you know strong arms, but they're not elusive in the pocket and creating plays. And that's what Minshew did. It brought a whole new element where now you know, coverage had to, coverage had to last another second or two uh, in the secondary, and you had breakdowns all over the place, and their speed receivers were opening up. So basically what I'm getting at, I think Minshew was a, a total game changer. It'll be very tough to predict someone to replace him. I know they have four or five quarterbacks they're looking at. I'm sure he'll find a good one. But I just think that you're not going to be able to, to match the Minshew level. Uh, defense is an issue. And, uh, yeah, so – and they can't get past Washington either. I'm surprised that Utah has taken four straight times. I think finally they break through this year and, and, uh, and, and beat Leach. You mentioned BYU as being a possible difficult game. So you obviously have done something about BYU. What are you seeing from them? Yeah, and uh, to be uh, to be totally upfront, I mean, I don't cover the group of five or the non-AQ teams uh, as in depth or really at all in my book. It's all Power Five. So, but I did glance at BYU a bit. I saw at, at the back half of the season with their young quarterback, they really surged offensively. They gave Utah a run for the money. I watched that game. Uh, yes, it was without a couple starters for Utah, but I mean, that was a big lead they built up early early in the game. Yeah, BYU is a tough out. Um, they always play t- uh, tough defense. I ran them through my game grader formula, and uh, like, I was, like I mentioned earlier, that's just for the 65 Power 5 teams, but I wanted to see kind of where they would fall you know, equivalently. Um, and they actually graded out middle tier of the Pac-12. They, fit, they would have finished seventh in my game grader out of 12 in the Pac-12, uh, 36th out of 65 Power 5 teams. So pretty much a middle of the pack, solid Power 5 team. Um, I think going there on the road uh, to open up the season, you know they've had that game circled for the last five months. Um, I mean, if, if Twitter's any indication, I know that to be true because I call this a 365-day rivalry. I mean, both, both yeah. fan bases are at each other's throats all season, all February. Any, any day of the year you log on Twitter, you see it going. So <laughs> I enjoy that. But, uh, but no, I think that it's going to be a, a pretty emotional, brutal game, and it's always tough. So I think the opening line's five. I'd probably, I'd probably go Utah, obviously, more than five, but not much more than ten. I think it's going to be pretty tight. 
All right, so tomorrow morning I want you to have a pork roll for me, okay? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I might, uh, <laughs> might go down to Springfield a little bit. No shower happy hour, guys. Brett, we Man, appreciate love, love the references out here. <laughs> go ahead. I mean, we'll hit him with a couple more PKs in your wheelhouse. You love this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you put on pizza, Matt? Brett, excuse me, Brett. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I like sausage on the pizza. Uh, if you're down in Philly, uh, southeast or uh, South Philly, you get cheesesteak pizza. So, there you go. Yeah, any way you can incorporate <laughs> cheesesteak in anything, it's kind of the main diet out here. So, um, yeah, love it, man. When I go to the Jersey Shore, I had a pork roll for breakfast, and then I have pizza and a cheesesteak for lunch, and then for dinner, I get a cheesesteak and pizza. Yeah, well, Mac and Mac goes, right? Is that the Ocean City place? <laughs> Bingo, brother. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, you two will need to connect later. <laughs> yeah, we're setting some, uh, setting some records here for Utah Radio. I yeah. love it. I think there's no doubt. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck this fall. There you go. Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews, and he is very high on Utah. But his reasoning about it is it, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree with them. I think if you say a one power five, one lost team is inferior to, say, a non-conference champion and the Pac-12's conference champion is one loss, then that's that's why I think a one loss team will get in yeah. if it's from the Pac-12. A two-loss, probably yeah. not. Yeah, and he said he thinks that the Big 12 is going to beat up on each other and have a two-loss champion. That totally makes sense in my mind, just looking at how things on paper look for the They're Big not, 12. Oklahoma's not going to be the same as they have been the last couple seasons. I'm not a, I'm not a believer that Jalen Hurts is like the next great quarterback right. coming out of Oklahoma. I agree. I think he's a good quarterback, but he is not Kyler Murray, and he is not um, Baker, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. And he's already competing for his job. So Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, interesting situation all around. Also interesting to hear him say, and uh, Brett said that in the future he wants to get more into covering the G5 and some of the um, independents like BYU. But you heard him say he ran him through, he calls his great game grader um, rankings, BYU 36 out of 65 Power mm-hmm. 5 teams. So, a, a mid-tier Power 5 program. And I think most of the national pundits, if you were to say, where would BYU in your mind rank? I think most of them probably kind of be around that mark. Yeah, I think they're if they were a P5 yeah. team, they're middle of the pack. And for the G5, they're top of the G5. Yeah. So As a program itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so interesting also to hear him say that. But you can tell that guy knows his stuff about college football. It is impressive. So I, yeah, I like that he said he stays up till 3 a.m. Yeah. Because too many of those – AP voters on the East Coast don't stay up there. He's not, he's not your typical East Coaster and goes to bed at 10 o'clock right. and misses everything. But great to hear from him. Uh, good stuff. Check out the Pick 6 previews. He does an incredible job. It's, it's, I, I, he sent a copy over it to us to read up on Utah and whatnot. Talk about in-depth information. So check out the Pick 6 previews. Yep, definitely. All right, coming on to the other side, I want to let you hear from Julian Blackman because he had something interesting to say about BYU and playing against one Zach Wilson in last year and what that will represent coming up this year. Uh, He also had a lot of great things to say, but I wanted to kind of break down that comment. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. So we're going to hear from Julian Blackman coming up here on the other side. Welcome back to Saturday's show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are live at our home, away from home, and that's Stockton 12 Honda here uh, in the Auto Mall, 10860 South here, Auto Mall Drive, really easy to get to. Hit that 106 South exit, head east, take a right on 
the auto mall drive drive along you'll see the blue honda building we've got the zone van down van out front we've got a couple shirts left a couple hats left one more desk ornament so come by and see us absolutely come on by we'd love to say hi to you and course the vehicles here are just absolutely phenomenal like i i'm i am in a honda family we drive a mm -hmm. honda pilot my wife's car is a honda and we absolutely love it yeah so come down to see us you got uh, some work done at the service center, uh, center a couple weeks ago when we were here and mm -hmm. so they traded you well they'll treat you out there well yes so come on and uh they've got service departments open uh snacks and things while you wait also come check out some new and used cars here at stockton 12 honda um, I want to let you hear from Julian Blackman, who spent about four or five minutes with Tony and Austin yesterday. Uh, a lot of great things to say, and I wanted to talk about uh, something with the rivalry game that will be coming up here. Um, oh, go ahead. One, well, one thing about Julian and this, uh, you and I, we're in the radio business. So yes. We, we get to know guys who are good interviews. Oh, he's the best. And Julian Blackman currently is one of the best three or four interviews in the entire state in any sport, any mm. team, any sport, because he is he is just so good. He addresses every question head on. Nothing is out of bounds for him, I feel like. You can ask him any question, and he'll give you a good reasoned response, and I really do appreciate yep. that. Uh, he's a great interview and, and uh, did not fall short when he spoke with Tony and Austin uh, on the, on uh, yesterday, I believe, on mm -hmm. the Zone Sports Correct. Network. Joined by University of Utah defensive back Julian Blackman, the pride and joy of Layton High School. Uh, Julian, my uh, co-host here, is a Layton alum. He's a very, very yes, big sir. fan. Yeah, Julian and, knows me. Yeah, We're but, good. but the one thing was, I don't know if you remember, you won the state championship there in basketball, and I oh, got to hand yes. you the trophy when it was all said and done. That was an amazing. Oh, one. really? Would you look at that? Hey, you know, hey. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. Definitely remember. <laughs> That was an amazing win. You guys had quite a rally. What was it, Matt Cragen with the big putback? Was that the kid's hey, name? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Matt Cragen with a with a nice buzzer beater to go ahead to win the game. That was a crazy game. <laughs> it was amazing, man. Well, how's camp going so far? Take us through that and uh, how you feel like things are coming along. It has been going good. Um, you know, just getting re back acclimated with everything and understanding, you know, our pressures and what we need to do to be in the right position to make plays. So things have been really good and just playing safety has been really fun. So we're excited to keep it going and just be ready for this, for this first game. You guys always like to have a lot of confidence and swagger in camp and keep it light while also working hard. But with all the talk of, oh, my gosh, the Utes are the best in the conference, they're going to win it all. Is it a little more serious this time around? I think that it's always going to be, you know, the same. And I, I think that's the difference is just the consistency needs to be the same. Uh, no matter what kind of preseason accolades we're getting, uh, we need to know that, you know, what we have to get done is still undone. So we just got to really keep our, ourselves focused and try to keep the outside noise to a minimum and just keep on pushing. You have a lot of guys in that backfield that are really capable of making spectacular plays. You're a playmaking sure. secondary, right? How much yes, do, does a guy, does Sharif Shaw, Kyle Whittingham, that defensive staff have to remind you that the solid has to go in front of the sensational, not to try too hard to make a spectacular play and risk making a mistake? Like, how much do you have to kind of ride that fine line? Um, honestly, I think it's more of just understanding when we can make plays and the positions that we are in in order to make those certain plays. I think that that, mm -hmm. that, that is the major difference is just understanding when you can make the take those shots, uh, what kind of defense we're in in order to take shots. For instance, for a corner, 
you can take more shots when you're in cover two, a hard cover two, because, you know, you have a safety over the top. And then as a safety, you can you can take a lot of shots if you're a freed up safety, as long as you know that you have uh, uh, corners on the outside who are manned up on the outside or whatever it may be. When, uh, who have you gone to uh, outside of the team maybe for some advice about moving to safety, if anybody? Um, I didn't really ask for advice from anyone um, to move, but I did ask advice of what I can do once I did choose to move over, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I went to Marks Williams. I went to Marquise, uh, Corian, all those guys who are in the league now, you know, and who are doing well now. Um, you know, those are the guys that I really look up to, and I wanted to understand, you know, what they were looking at and what they saw. So if anything, I just once I made the move, that's when I decided, okay, well, I need to ask these guys who are already obviously really good at this position what they did in order to get to the next level or whatever it may be to help the team win, whatever it may be. You know what I find interesting in the college football level is teams that have premier confidence, teams that are overconfident, teams that, that would have false confidence. Like having been, you know, voting in the AP Top 25 for all those years, I found it amazing kind of evaluating you know, kind of teams and where they sit in that way. Your team comes off to me as that group that has the premier amount of confidence with the perfect amount of humility to mix in. How do you describe that, and and how do you feel like that uh, balance has taken place with that program? I think it all has to do with our coaches. Uh, I think it has to do with the way that our coaches approach every day, the way that they tell us that we need to approach every day and the way that the leaders approach just because our coaches always tell us the leaders are the guys who are going to get everybody else to get going and the way that our leaders are now is you know we approach everything confident but humble understanding that we have a goal and at the end of the day we the only way to reach that goal is by being together as a team understanding your role and playing your role so i think that that has a major thing to do with it is just the way that the leaders lead and then the, the youngers will follow Julian, which wide receiver uh, A tracks, talks the most trash to you guys in practice and B will be the most annoying to opposing uh, defenses this season? <laughs> um, I'd say the one that probably talks the most trash. Got to be uh, Terrell Perriman. He probably definitely does. TP, uh, he probably definitely talks the most trash out of all of them. I think the one that will be a big problem for everyone is JD, um, J- uh, Jalen Dixon. And why is that? What does Jalen do so well that you think will uh, shine this season? He's just really fast. Um, he just, he just, they put him in really good positions. And with this new offense, you know, they just put him in positions to where he, he's really good at making plays that, you know, he's used to making, if that makes sense. So they always put him in positions where he could get onto your toes really quick. So just being able to be aware of, you know, where JD is, JD is at any given time is, is, uh, it could be a big play. When you go back and, and watch film of last season and you evaluate a number of different games, uh, Zach Wilson was a quarterback that was able to make some plays and, and put his team in position to possibly win. Your defense got things started with turning things the other direction. What are the key things you take away from playing a quarterback like that as you prepare for this upcoming uh, week one battle against BYU? Uh, I think it just has to do with the misassignments. Um, as you go back and look at the game, of course, a lot of people don't um, understand, you know, why he was making big plays, and it's just little things, you know, in terms of who had the quarterback or who had contained, you know, whether a deep tackle reaches all the way to an outside and understanding that he has a D-gap. I think that it just all has to do with us playing our 111th, just like I had said previously. Um, uh-huh. You know, a lot of his big plays just had to do with misassignments, um, what we were doing, not what he was doing, if anything. Um, so we just got to make sure that we are really tidy on what we're doing and make sure that we all do our own job, and we'll be fine.
Julian, thanks so much for a few minutes today, man. Really appreciate it. Best of luck uh, throughout the rest of the camp. And before you know it, the season's going to be kicking off, man. Can't wait. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can't wait. I appreciate you guys. There you go, Julian Blackman. Really interesting conversation there with Tony in Austin. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me, though, Tony asked him, well, you, Zach Wilson made a bunch of big plays against you. What can you do to stop that again? He said, well, it wasn't anything he did. <laughs> it was missed hey. assignments by us. Hey, good on him. And he, yeah, Let's be real. The game of football comes down mainly to missed assignments on either side of the ball. You have 11 guys supposed to do specific things on every play. If one of those, one or two of those guys doesn't do or accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish on a play, well, usually the other team has that advantage to yeah. make the play. I don't expect him to be like, no, yeah, you know what? He made all these plays. I don't expect that whatsoever. Julian is a great player. He's going to be a high-level NFL player in my mind. I think him going to safety is a brilliant move by the University oh, of Utah. Oh, I love that move. He had a pick today. You heard uh, yes. Whittingham talk about yep. that earlier. So I think that he is going to be um, – I, th- I think he's going to be an impressive athlete this coming year. And I'm glad both sides of this rivalry are having some fun with this. It, it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's so fun that it's the first game of the season. We're less than 20 days now away, I believe. 19 days, something like that? Uh, 19 days today. Yeah, so I uh, should be. <laughs> it's so great that it's the first game of the season. But I found that funny that he was like, no, that we, we gave him the big plays because we were messing up on our side. So that should be interesting, too. See what Zach Wilson can get done against this premier defense right off the top. Yeah, and it, it, it it's going to be interesting uh, to see how univer- how the University of Utah handles all of this because you you heard him talk about in that like you guys are getting all these accolades, you guys are taking all mm-hmm. of this, uh, you're taking all, everybody, the national media, the local media, they've given me all this love, and I am interested to see how they handle it because Kyle Whittingham. There's a lot. It seems like he really enjoys when they're the underdog, when they're the overlooked group. Now being pegged as the favorite, I think that they'll they'll do okay with it. I'm just interested to see how the entire team does with it. If that makes sense. It sounds like they're trying to keep it as much the same. They as are they, as they did in any role. And it's it's the way they should. And be hopefully doing the it. players can respond to that stuff. Yes, like, it's the way they should the be same. doing it. Yeah. But I love what he said there. He said what could be done has yet to be done. Essentially, is what he said. So. Uh, it's still undone, I believe was his quote. So he's right about that. They haven't done anything yet. So why why uh, count the accolades before they even happen? Correct. Yeah. So I I do wonder um, if they'll be able to because if they can maintain that throughout the year, credit to Kyle Whittingham because there's a lot of people talking to these guys that want to talk to these guys and there's a lot of hype flying around. I'm glad they're doing their best to just kind of keep it just even keeled all the way through. They keep it similar to how it's been in the past, mm-hmm. but. I do wonder how 100 and whatever guys in this program, how they'll all stay on the same page all year long. And I hope they do. Right. But it, it, at least the, it sounds like the leaders know what they're doing. Correct, yes. The upperclassmen, the, the yeah. players that are making the most impact, it sounds like they're really running that locker room mm-hmm. and keeping everybody in check. And which I, is kind of what you want in your locker room environment. You want the leaders to be like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you can, just got here. You think we've already won a national title? No, we've got work to do. You can guarantee that uh, – that uh, Kyle Whittingham, he's, he's drilled into his leaders about the emphasis on this, but I do like them stepping up and taking some of the initiative in their yeah. own right to speak out on yep, it. Definitely. So big thanks to uh, Julian Blackman, who joined uh, Tony and Austin yesterday. All right, coming up on the other side, it's five minutes of soccer with Jay Catch. And uh, at the, in the 3 o'clock hour, we're going to let you hear from Gail Miller, owner of the Utah Jazz, and uh, as well as many other things. And she had uh, – 
would graciously graciously offered a few minutes of her time. She doesn't do a lot of interviews. Big show, yes, yeah. and uh, on the news that uh, Steve Starks has been named CEO uh, in the LHM Group, and uh-huh. uh, she came on. She had a lot of great things to say about the move, um, the team coming up. Um, as well as Adam Silver. She had thoughts on everything from yes. Donovan and Rudy to Quinn Snyder. So a lot to break down in her interview. We'll let you hear from her at the top of the 3 o'clock hour as well. There's a lot left to go in the show here on the Saturday show. Welcome back. Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, wrapping up the 2 o'clock hour. Having a lot of fun down here with our friends at Stockton 12 Honda. Just met some uh, people who got themselves into a new Civic. Yep, they're very excited for that. Yeah, they long drive every day. Decided to get something that can get them a lot of gas mileage. Seventy miles round trip. Wow. But I, I, I do I do a similar commute. I'm not going to lie. I've got a commuter car and I love it. So, so congratulations to that yeah. brand new Civic going off the lot. So come down to see us. One zero eight six zero South Auto Mall Drive. It's time for. Five minutes of soccer with Jay Catch as he covers. Not only is he the Utah County Bureau Chief, but he is also the head soccer aficionado here at the Zone Sports Network. Have I taken that from DJ? Well, I don't host a show with DJ. Okay, so. fair enough. All right, anyways, you said you wanted to weigh in today, so I'm excited to get your get your take on this. Yeah, I'm, uh, so this whole Mike Petkey thing, mm-hmm. I don't understand. After all the reports that have come out, I'm a little bothered that this guy – I, I feel like he went way over the line he did. based on the reports, mm-hmm. um, including multiple slurs, following someone up a hallway, continuing to berate them mm-hmm. with more slurs, and then wrote it on a piece of paper and sent a runner to – first of all, if I'm handed that piece of paper, I'm not doing it. I'm saying, does my career depend on this? Because I'm not going to walk this over to the locker room for yeah. you. Uh, but anyway um, – it had it written on it uh, way over the line. And the fact that we're still wishy-washy on whether or not he should be still in a job, I find that he should be gone, in my opinion. And that's the interesting part about all this, because a report from Alex Vihar from the Salt Lake Tribune last night says there was a video that was put out there at the Utah Royals game on Wednesday night. Deloy Hansen was responding to some fans' questions about it, saying that he's been contemplating what to do with Mike Pecky in the situation they have found themselves in in regards to his job status. So I, I'm sitting here wondering as well, because he he's Well, where like, do you stand on it? What do you think? I, I, I have a hard time believing that he's going to keep his job. That's, yeah. that's just me, but... The more and the longer and longer this drags out, because he's scheduled to return to work for Real Salt Lake on Monday. His two week uh, his two week suspension uh, without pay from the club itself ends, uh, I guess, Sunday night. At midnight. I don't know, but he's supposed to be back at work Monday morning and rejoining this team. He's serving the final of his three game three match suspension tonight as RSL takes on Sporting Kansas City out there in Kansas City, Missouri. I. I yeah, I don't know how this guy doesn't face stronger repercussions than he already has faced, but the more and more that they drag their feet on making this decision mm-hmm. makes me think that he's going to keep his job. Let's put it that way. I kind of feel that. I'm getting that feeling too. And he did cross the line. Like this is way over the line. He's 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 been suspended before, and it's been comical. It's been kind of been uh, laughed off because he was lashing out at referees or he's lashing out about a situation in a game, etc. But this. Started on the field, continued up into the uh, the hallways underneath Rio Tinto Stadium, and when you have a guy deliver or you hand deliver a piece of paper that has the same slur that you are alleged to have used to the referee's locker room just mm-hmm. to continue to 
stick it to this guy, it's a bad, bad look for this club and for mm-hmm. Major League Soccer by extension. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we all made the mistake of finding it comical when it was going down before, like all these outbursts, because apparently it just kept building on itself. Yeah, and I'm so. and the so the interesting part about all this is I wonder because Major League Soccer came out with a pretty strong worded statement about the repugnant language used, et cetera. They've ordered him the three match ban, undergo sensitivity training, anger management training, undergo all of this. I just don't know what the machinations behind all of that. If that was a if it was kind of a nudge to RSL to to take sh- further action, mm-hmm. stronger action from Don Garber and the rest of Major League Soccer. I don't know that for a fact, but the longer this drags on without news of his job status coming one way or the other makes me think he's right. at least going to finish out this season as the head coach of Real Salt Lake. And that's un- and it, it it's it's it was unacceptable behavior, plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. Like let's 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 put it this way. If this isn't any other major sport here in this country, it's headline-making news that is across totally. all of the exactly. uh, all of the news websites, outlets, whatever you want it to be, sports radio, et cetera. You ever heard of a coach following the referees into their locker room? No. And let's put it this way. If that happens in another league, let's say the NBA, the NFL, et cetera, that's a million-dollar fine easily, and that coach Probably very, is much, gone. very much is on yeah. the chopping block. Yeah. It's it, this behavior was abhorrent. It's unacceptable, and especially when it comes just weeks after uh, the club itself, speaking of Real Salt Lake, had celebrated Pride Week, Pride Month, right. and had made a big hole of blue about all that, supporting the LGBTQIA community in this here in the, here in the United States mm-hmm. as well as in the Salt Lake area. It's just it doesn't make sense why he would choose to use that term, etc. And I'm with you, Adrian. I think he should lose his job. I'm just looking at this, just how things are kind of playing out here. makes me think he's going to stay on. But they do face a big opportunity tonight, just speaking of the club itself, yes, as they, they're on the road at Sporting Kansas City. So they are now, looks like, sixth in the yes. Western Conference mm-hmm. uh, with 30, uh, it's 34 points, 34, yeah. uh, way behind the lead. But And they uh, did tra- make a trade this week. Ke- they did. Kellen Rowe coming in from Sporting Kansas City, kind of funny enough. You traded to a new club that your, that your old team is facing the same week you're traded. I would have my doubts that he's in the lineup tonight as he kind of gets acclimated to Salt Lake, but we'll see how that goes. He could probably give them some intel on sporting Kansas City, but SKC has been floundering this year. have had a number of major injuries, so it's a big opportunity for RSL in their own right to go out and just pick up three points. So what's their po- playoff position? What is the playoff outlook for RSL? They're trending to be a lower half of the playoffs, starting on playoffs on the road. The new format this year is it's six. Uh, there, there are three first-round matchups. The top seven teams make it. Okay. The top team in each division gets it at first round by. The other six teams play a one-off. You go the higher-seeded team hosts it, and you move on from there. It's single elimination. It's kind of the NFL format. I like it. I like what they've done with this playoff format. But the way RSL is trending, it looks like they'll probably be in that 6, 7, 8 seed range and opening the playoffs on the road if everything holds true the rest of the year. So they have, though, fought their way back into the playoffs. which And they also have an opportunity to move up. A couple months ago was yes. looking bleak. Yeah, so they, ha- they have an opportunity to move up here. And if they can start stringing together a number of results on the road, mm-hmm. they could see themselves maybe hosting a, a playoff matchup. But that's incumbent upon them starting to gather some road results. They can do as much as they want at home, but if you keep dropping points on the road, it doesn't work. As they say in soccer, go tie on the road. Am I right, Jake? <laughs> yes, they do. Absolutely. Uh, so that game will be tonight. 6.30 p.m. Uh, kickoff. You can tune in on KMYU, KSL TV app, or KSL.com for the stream.
dreams of that match. Uh, we're here at Stock 12 Honda. Make sure you come see us. You can get free appraisal on your vehicle and $500 more towards your trade-in. Of course, we've mentioned the Civic for $5 a day, the HRV and the Accord for $6 a day, and the CRV for $8 a day. So come down and see us. Uh, there's people ready to come in. And uh, if you come in, there's people ready to help you out get into a brand-new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda today. So make sure you come on down for that. Coming up on the other side, we are going to hear from Gail Miller. She was on the big show, and uh, we'll talk a little Utah jazz. That's coming up next here on the Saturday Show.